This week on Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. Because Rory gets diabetes and has to have her foot removed. And it's like, is it Max's fault? It is. Hello, welcome to Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. I'm Brian Morris. And I'm Stacey Kuo. And this is the show where we talk about two of our favorite shows growing up, Buffy the Vampire Slayer and... Gilmore Girls. We're comedians, we live in New York City, and we mostly stay inside all the time because it's bad out there, guys. We have a cat, so if you hear him in the background, he seems to be fighting a scratching post right now for some reason. But he's chill. He doesn't talk. He won't say anything. Not to you. I loved Buff the Vampire Slayer growing up, and I want to share that with Stacy, who's never seen it. And I love Gilmore Girls starting around college age, and I insist that Brian watch it because I think he'll love it too. And so here we are, and we've made it to the season finale. Oh man, there were some ups and downs. Mostly ups, I would say. Not many downs. No, very few downs. The Buffy movie was a bit of a down. Yeah. We haven't been up to much since the last podcast, because honestly, we just decided to watch it immediately. (laughs) Yeah. Time is different for you than it is for us. We usually do wait about a week, but we were just like, I want to see what happens next. We made a TikTok. Yeah. If you guys don't have TikTok, that's okay, because I post the TikToks on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. So if you've got one of those four things, you can watch us do some some dubbing videos of Gilmore Girls and Buffy. They're super fun for us. I, maybe they suck for you. If you don't like them, tell us to stop, but we might not. Brian, should we get into it? I'm Let's excited it. to discuss these two shows. I'm excited. All right, so this week we started with Gilmore Girls Season 1, Episode 21, Love, Daisies, and Troubadours. Take it away, Brian. Well, this episode is about Rory resolving her feelings with Dean and Lorelai resolving her feelings with Max Medina and Luke resolving his feelings with Rachel slash Lorelai. Were your feelings resolved with Season 1 of Gilmore Girls? Yeah, yeah, mm, we'll see. All right. The episode starts with Lorelai waking up very upset because somebody is pounding outside. And it's Luke. He's come over unannounced to fix some stuff up around the house. And she's all mad at him. And he's like, well, I gotta do it. Bad Bat comes out and yells at Lorelai for being loud. And Rory kind of brings Lorelai inside like she's crazy. And we're like, was this a dream? Did she imagine Luke being there? Because she looks back and Luke's not there. It felt weird. I think we later confirmed that he, he was actually there. But it just felt like a weird dream sequence. Now, as someone who lives in New York, I get what it's like when someone just starts doing like hardcore construction work outside your window in the morning. But not what it's like to have a yard or a porch. (laughs) Luke stays the whole day at her house just fixing random stuff that she didn't ask him to fix either. might be over the course of like a week or two. It's weird before it's even a day. He shouldn't be there. It seems like he's finding excuses to spend time at her house. That day at the inn, uh, Michelle is suffering from ennui. He's, uh, He's very sad. We don't really know what about or why and that never pays off. But he's given it to Suki as well. Yeah, that was kind of fun, her hypochondria. Mm -hmm. But the important part of this scene is that Max Medina calls, and we find out that they've been dating for a while now, and they clearly had sex the night before, right? I mean, I think that was what they were saying. Yeah, their phone call seemed very like, I can't stop thinking about You hang up. No, you hang up. We're both adults. Mm -hmm. They're clearly super infatuated with each other. Rune was not in this episode. I honestly don't remember if he comes back. I want to say he does at least one more time. But, like, it was weird that we introduced him and now he's just gone. Yeah, that is weird because she hired him as a handyman, but then Luke, like, is her handyman at home. That's interesting. Yeah. At some point, Rory finds the Dean box. You know, the box of her stuff related to Dean that she told her mom to throw away, but Lorelai put in the closet. 
Lorelai's all apologetic, like, I'm so sorry, I, I didn't know what to do, I think I think one day you might want this, and Rory, like, kisses her, it was sweet, and she says thank you. Rory goes through the stuff, and she decides, you know what, she's gonna go back to that grocery store. So she goes back to the grocery store, Lane is telling her a very long, complicated, not that interesting story about one time how she had a witticism that was great. And she goes in, and Lane's like, I'm so excited to have good old Rory back. But there's no Dean. There's a new boy. Some weird stock boy that looks like Harold Ramis that wants nothing to do with her. It's funny. She asks him if he likes working there, just to have something to say. I really love the store owner was like, you look like you're shoplifting. Which is funny, because she has. You pointed that out. She has shoplifted. Then at school, Tristan is back to being such a Tristy douchebag. What does that mean? Tristan has gotten her tickets to go see PJ Harvey. One for him, one for her, and he just asks her out in like the worst way possible. He's all like, you and I are going to this. Hell yeah. And she's like, I'm not dating you. And he's like, yeah, you are. And she's like, no, I'm not. And then he just proceeds to tell everybody that they are going to go on a date together because he's such a pile of garbage. God, I hate him so much. He's learned nothing from this breakup he had with his mean, mean girlfriend. Like, we were supposed to feel bad for him, and I'm like, I don't want to feel bad for him. And this episode's like, yeah, you shouldn't have felt bad for him, Brian. We tricked you. Did you feel bad for him? No. Well, then they didn't get you. Bet they got some people. I hate Tristan. We know. Anyway, Tristan sucks. But of course, Paris doesn't take this well. Because Paris, which again, I'm guessing she is secretly going to turn out to be Luke's daughter because she cannot handle her emotions at all. She's decided that none of the- Luke secretly has a daughter? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Or it could be related somehow. They both act like people who just started having emotions for the first time. It's true. Paris is just freaking out and her and her two friends have decided they're not going to be friends with Rory anymore. But I also don't really understand why Paris's friends, Madeline and Lorraine- that was so close. Lauren? No. <laughs> Lorelai? <laughs> it's Lorelai, yeah. The fourth Lorelai. <laughs> it's Louise. Louise. Yes. I'm sorry, podcast audience who is so tired of this. I don't understand why they have any, like, fealty to Paris at all. Like, why? You're totally right. I mean, I guess she's rich, but it seems like they all are. And they seem to like Rory more in general, so I don't really get why they're like, we're doing what Paris wants. Right. And they're also, like, fashionable, and we've learned that Paris has no idea what to do with clothes. I just, yeah, I don't get what they bond over. So Paris is essentially like you're excommunicated from the trio. Also, I'm going to be on the newspaper and I'm going to give you a terrible position there. Yes, Paris is the the new head of the newspaper and anybody that wants to get on needs her approval. And she's going to make that difficult for Rory, it seems. And then they all stand like some kind of weird choreographed like moment where the three of them stand and look back. Yeah, they're like on steps in like a weird triangle with their arms crossed, having their toes. Honestly, it was a bit much. As we said, Luke has been at Lorelai's house 24-7 just fixing random things. And Rachel is getting concerned. And she has a conversation with Lorelai where she's like, I feel like he's trying to avoid me, maybe. Like, do you know what's up? I like never see him. I feel like he's at your place. And Laura's like, oh, she's just he's just fixing stuff. I don't buy this at all. Like, no, Lorelai, it's weird that he's at your house. Yeah, I mean, it isn't more than him fixing things that we know of. But, like, we got to admit to everyone in this conversation that it is weird that he's at her house. When yes. he never has been before. Yeah. I mean, he's been to her house, but not, like, consistently. And she wasn't like, oh, my gosh, I got to fix everything before my parents come over. Like... He just decided it was time to fix her entire house. Yeah, there was no scene where she asked him to start fixing things. It's weird that he's having Rachel mind the store while he's just at a woman's house Mm -hmm. making repairs. That's super suspicious. And it's especially suspicious when you're at a woman's house who you recently told your girlfriend that you maybe had feelings for but weren't sure about at some point. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I'm like team Rachel here. Like, yeah, she's totally right. 
When Lorelai comes home, she's startled because Luke is in her house. He's broken in. He literally broke in the back door to create something to fix, essentially. Yeah, he said the lock was weak. So to prove that, he broke in. This is insane. Yeah. She sits him down. It's like, I think you're trying to avoid Rachel. And, you know, classic Luke. He's like, uh, you know, no. What? No. Uh, no. My theory is he's trying to get back at her for the weird shopping spree trick she pulled in the last episode. By fixing her house? By just being ultra weird and invasive. She convinces him that, yeah, maybe he is trying to avoid Rachel and he should not do that. Yeah, he has like problems with her being in his space, kind of. Like he's not used to that. He's used to the milk being where he left it. And then Lorelai calls her a milk whore for some reason. The words whore and slut get thrown around a lot in this episode. Milk whore made no sense, though. It wasn't like she was slamming all the milk. No, she's just using a reasonable amount and not putting it back exactly in the right place. Yeah, that was the issue, was putting it in a different place, which is not something whores are known for. And also, it's not a problem to put the milk back in a slightly different place. Unless you're, like, putting it in the dishwasher. Here's something about this scene that honestly, like, made me upset. Luke is trying to make an analogy about cookies. And Lorelai's like, cookies don't even make it in the house. He's like, okay, he moves on. Immediately after she says that, she goes to the counter, and out of the cabinet, she pulls out a box of cookies for the two of them to eat. She just said, yeah, we don't have cookies make it into the house except for these cookies. Wouldn't the actors be like, you know, I just said we don't have cookies. Is it weird, production crew, that I'm pulling out cookies now? So yeah, he is just kind of like having commitment issues with Rachel. Yeah, he's just not used to being part of a couple, I think is the point, right? Yeah, or like having someone expect him home at a certain time. Not that he like has much of a social life. It seems like an excuse. To be with Lorelai. So Rory's on a mission to talk to Dean. So she goes to Dean's house. Dean's sister answers the door and this startles Rory. She mentioned something about recognizing Rory from the pictures in Dean's room, but she's kind of vague about if the pictures were out before or if they're out now. And Rory, like, interrogates her about the specific tense of this. This seems really funny, honestly. I, I laughed a lot. Yeah. Rory's like, I'm not the girl from these pictures. I'm a Girl Scout. But tell me some more about those pictures. Yeah. And then we hear Dean coming and Rory just, like, runs away. It's so funny because the girl starts to, like, cry a little bit. And Rory's like, no, 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 I'm a good person. And then here's Dean and just runs away. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. Many episodes this season have someone running away. Yeah. <laughs> like at least five or six. A lot of running in Gilmore Girls. you think Buffy would have more running. Just flipping. The next scene's at the town meeting. There's an interesting thing happening on their way to the town meeting. Max Medina gives Rory and Lorelai ring pops, which if you know how this episode ends, this is perhaps foreshadowing. Yeah, because Rory gets diabetes and has to have her foot removed. And it's like, is it Max's fault? It is. Yeah, Max gives them rings. They like the rings. They switch flavors. Did that make you suspicious at all? I was like, whoa, that's like a big clue. Oh, for sure, yeah. You did? Uh-huh. Okay. You didn't indicate to me that you oh, thought- Oh, I made sounds. I thought you were just farting. <laughs> <laughs> um, the fart sound is the same sound I make when I'm starting to piece stuff together. It was your pre-fart sound <laughs> with your mouth. <laughs> oh, here it is. It's coming. The fact that we both just made the same sound makes the audience think that this is a real thing you do. <laughs> Like a lot of times in video games, we're about to solve a puzzle. I'm just like, <laughs> so he made those sounds. And they're going to the town meeting to treat it like it's a movie theater because, I mean, I guess their real movie theater sort of sucks. Hey, it's fine. It's not. Well, the first thing on the docket is the troubadour problem. Oh, yeah, there's a troubadour problem. There's another troubadour in town. He's like a mix between Christopher Lloyd and Chong from Cheech and Chong. And he's just been whistling. And so they're fighting over who should be the troubadour. And what's his face? What's the guy's name? Who's like the mayor? No, he's not the mayor. He's just like the town 
dude. Taylor Dosey. Taylor Dosey's all like, this is nonsense, as if anything in this town is not nonsense. Yeah. But then Rory makes this impassioned speech about, like, sometimes you want to say something, but you can't, and so you can't make things right, so maybe someone could do it in a song. And, of course, Dean, who's there. Of, co- of course Dean's there. I hate that Dean's there. Why is Dean there? With, With his, his sister. sister. Like, Dean would, A, not go to this meeting. D, would not hang out with his sister. Did you just say A and then go to D? I'll start over. We'll get to D, okay? <laughs> B, Dean would not hang out with his little sister socially. She's like 10 tops, I would say. Or his whole family is there and made the kids come. But I, I really doubt Dean would make a choice to bring his sister to the town meeting. He just wouldn't care about it. Yeah, and it's not like there's a bunch of other students there or something. It's just Dean. I don't remember him being at another town meeting. Yeah, it's weird. But he's conveniently there. And Rory has this outburst. Well, I think she has the outburst because he's there. Yeah, essentially like saying, I want to talk to you, but I can't. I want to point out that Taylor Dosey, what's the guy's name? Taylor Dosey. Yes. So Taylor Dosey makes a point about like, you can't have food here, Lorelai, which is so upsetting because like, does anyone give a shit if he's if someone has food there, honestly? Yeah, I don't know why it's a big deal. But anyway, Max Medina's having a good time. That's what's important. I'm sorry you hate town meetings. I think they're fun. Luke's there for the town meeting too. He always is. After the troubadour thing is resolved, he decides he's going to just go home. And sure enough, Rachel, as I predicted, is leaving. I'm, he's all like, oh, so you're leaving again, huh? Well, I guess it's uh, you. that's who you are. But I'm like, dude, you've been like not around. Like, I don't blame her at all for leaving. You're hanging out with this girl you're in love with. It's super clear. He essentially admits it's true in the Luke way, which is like he just stops talking for a second. Mm-hmm. And she's like, don't waste your time. You got to tell her. And then she leaves. Bye, Rachel. Luke, you should have been with Rachel. You made a mistake. Did you like Rachel? I did like Rachel because she was nice. But also I liked Rachel because she like gave Luke all this free space. Like, I don't feel like any other woman would be like cool with him hanging out with the girl he admitted he was sort of into. I didn't really buy that they had any chemistry and she just kind of feels like a distraction. Not a distraction, but like a, like we're stalling. I agree. I didn't feel any chemistry between the two of them at all. Also, Luke was like super in love with her, right? Like he got so mad when Lauren Lai had her shirt on. But he didn't, we don't see any of that, really. Like maybe for an episode or two, we saw it a little bit. But you'd think that the honeymoon period would last a while. Yeah, when we, the scenes where they were together, other than that one at the movie theater where they were really lovey-dovey, I just like didn't buy them as a couple. We didn't really see them flirting. We saw them being like gushy, but we didn't really see like fun flirting between the two of them. So Lorelai's getting ready for a day with Max. He seems to be on time as usual, but it's not Max. It's Luke. He's come to tell her he loves her. No, he's come for his toolbox. Oh. Wink, wink. Then he's like, I'm leaving. And it seems like maybe he's going to tell her something. And then Max Medina shows up five minutes late because that's what Lorelai wanted. Mm-hmm. And then there's this super weird confrontation between Luke and Medina. It's weird. It's very awkward. And Brian hated this so much. He was making so many mouth fart sounds. <laughs> This time I could hear him. <laughs> it, this scene was just so upsetting. Like, Max Medina sort of, like, points out, like, you've been here a lot. And Luke was like, yeah, I've been here a lot. I'm going to be here more. Yeah, I'm going to be, like, sort of taking, like, ownership of Lorelai in a way. And it was like, what's, she's going on a date, man. Why are you doing this, Luke? This was, like, the first time they officially met, really? Like, yeah. they'd seen each other at the meeting, but. Luke is totally in the wrong here. And Max Medina is 100% justified in all of this. He's there for a date with a woman that he wants to marry, okay, that he sacrificed a lot to be with, who, as far as he knows, is in love with him the same. And there's just this man who's like, yeah, I'm hanging around her, get used to it, I'm going to hang around her a lot. What the hell is that? 
Lorelai, like, labels this what it is, a dick swinging contest. She doesn't say dick, but she was like, you guys done swinging those things around? That's fair, but, like, Luke just started swinging his dick pretty hard pretty quickly. Yeah, and it is weird because she is about to go on a date with this guy and he knows that there may be a couple, but how much does he actually know? Yeah. Like, he might just think this is, like, a casual date. Now that I'm thinking about it, like, she maybe hasn't told him anything about him and they haven't really been dating that much. This is like one of their first actual physical dates. So Luke's maybe not aware that they have a history. Plus, there was like a whole chunk of the season where she wasn't with Max and she was like kind of getting close to Luke. So I kind of understand why Luke would be like, well, I'm going to try my best here. Yeah, I mean, if I were Luke, though, I would be like, yeah, sure, whatever, man. And then just leave. I wouldn't be like, I'm the alpha. Yeah, I just think he maybe doesn't realize that Max is about to propose like they're at that level of relationship. But to be fair, they also are not at that level. And it's insane that Max proposes in a minute. But they are going on a date. And I feel like saying anything to the person that's going on a date with this woman is absurd. Yeah. I mean, what would you do if you thought you like had a chance with this woman? Because he like went there to confess his love. Would you just like let it go if you thought you wanted to be with this woman and you just ended a relationship to be with this woman? Well, I would do one of two things. I would either be like... Lorelai, can I just talk to you for a minute? I just, I need to tell you something. And tell her. Or I would just be like, okay, well, I'm going to talk to her tomorrow about this. And hope they don't get engaged tonight. (laughs) Yes. Um, But they almost did. Lorelai and Max Virginia get into a little fight because Max Virginia's like, what's going on with you and this guy? And she's like, nothing. And he's like, because I dated people, which was weird. And he's like, I slept with some people. She's all like, I slept with Rory's dad (gasps) on the balcony. What? And everyone else just waited inside for a weird period of time that we don't discuss. <laughs> and Max Medina's like, okay, well, cool. That's fine. People sleep with people. I think Max Medina's a horn dog. Yeah, I feel that way a lot. He's a smart horn dog. But he, do- he does seem like he's really looking for sex often. He-, he talks about the physical part of the relationship a lot. It's true. Yeah, I think that's true. For, especially for like a wholesome TV show. Yeah, I feel like Lorelai also speaks that way to him. Yeah. But I do feel like he's a horn dog. I think this relationship is purely physical. And then, you know, they're having a fight. Things are getting out of hand. And Max is like, you know what will fix this? Let's just get married. Because that's all that happens to Lorelai. She just gets proposed to by men all the time. Pretty much. At least this season so far. And she's like, no, we shouldn't get proposed. You know, it's proposing me. There should be a bunch of flowers, a thousand daisies, and someone singing, and you on a horse. And he's like, cool, cool. Let's just go on a date. I can't imagine actually like going on the date right after that. No, I mean, I guess maybe breaking up isn't the answer, but I feel like maybe you don't go out. You just like sit home and watch a movie and be awkward. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I don't know what the right thing to do because I feel like if you didn't go on a date, that would also suck. Yeah, but that's a weird thing to come back from. For sure. But also him saying I want to get married is to me was another just crazy town thing. Because like how long have they been together? I know stuff happens. Time passes off screen. I get that. But like really you're going to marry her? Like what? Considering they just got into like a huge fight and in the last episode he was questioning why she wasn't telling people they were together. It it seems like that's not the the way to fix their relationship And you just slept with someone. Both of you slept with other people like not that long ago. Like I feel like I'd want to talk about that before I'm throwing proposals out. Anyway, Max Medina, crazy man, smart man, crazy. We pan over and Luke has left his toolbox. Hmm. What does that mean? Maybe he wasn't there for his toolbox. I mean, he did leave his toolbox. Yeah, but that doesn't mean he came to get it. Yeah, you think he wants to keep it there? Do you think his toolbox represents his feelings for her? I think it's like when, like at a ball, Uh like a woman is there and she's like falling in love with a prince. Uh And she's like, oh, I dropped my handkerchief. Yeah. Wait, what are you talking about? Babe. Are you talking about Cinderella? No, she doesn't leave a handkerchief. Okay, but this isn't a situation otherwise. (laughs) (laughs) 
So it's exactly like that common situation. Yeah, super common trope where, where a, a woman, woman is at a ball. Like maybe a princess, maybe not a princess, maybe like a stepdaughter or something. I remember last time I was at a ball, I forgot my handkerchief at home, so I had nothing to leave. Oh my God, that's why you ended up with me, I guess. <laughs> yeah. You went back the next day and they're like, why are you here? And you were the guy working at the desk. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I've got some serious ennui right now. Who's that girl? <laughs> And then I was like, mm, mm, I got an idea. And I'm like, I can hear you. And now we live together in New York. So that's what happened. Someday we'll tell you how we really met. Doesn't involve a horse. Mm. Back at school, Tristan is in full Tristan mode. He's gone like super asshole saying. It's a Dragon Ball Z reference. Mm-hmm. He's all like, how come you're not going on this date with me? You better go on this date with me. My dad spent a lot of money on this. Well, actually, he says he spent a lot of money. And then Rory like gets him so good with like, no, your dad did. And he doesn't say she's wrong. And he's all like, I don't even know who this PJ Harvey guy is. And, and she's, she's all like, like, it's a woman. And then he just like grabs her books and is like, I'm not going to give them back to you. That's like also insane. Like no emotionally adjusted person could do that. I know they're young, but they're not like six. She's like, whatever, fine. Walks away. And then lo and behold, Dean has pulled his car into some weird cobblestone place that's clearly not a parking lot. Yeah, it's not a parking lot. What the hell is he doing there? He's like in a fountain, probably. And he's like leaving it there. Like that's a place you can leave a car. Did he know she was going to be like chasing Tristan outside right at that moment? She's like, what are you doing here? He's like, I don't know. I just, something about my Rory box. And she's like, you have a, a Rory box? And she tells him. She loves him. She calls him an idiot. She's like, because I love you, you idiot. And then they kiss hardcore. So hard. They're about to bang. I think it must have hurt their mouths. It was like they were biting each other. Yeah. Wow. They kissed so hard. Tristan watches for way too long. And then sets her books down. It's like, I'm getting out of here. So then Lorelai's at the inn. Kirk and Michelle are fighting over flowers? It's very confusing. Why, Why are there, there so flowers? many flowers? Michelle didn't order flowers. Kirk insists someone ordered flowers. He ordered a thousand daisies. Hello, Daisy. Do you remember what she said to Max Medina? She goes in there and has like an emotional moment where she's like, oh my God, I can't believe Max did this. And then she calls Max and Max is all like, shut up, let me talk. Honestly. Yeah. Like, it's like, no, Lorelai, I'm talking. You're listening. And then he's like, I wanted you to marry me because I love you, not because we were fighting. And I want to show you that I care about you. And shut up, Lorelai, I'm talking. I couldn't find a horse. No, I'm talking. Let me talk. It's really weird. But she's loving it. I mean- this is true, but he wasn't angry when he said this. No, he wasn't. He just, it's sort of Max Medina's thing to like kind of shut her down and like talk for her a little bit, I feel like. Yeah. So that's what he does. But, he, you know, it's all stuff she wants to hear. She she's, seems excited. She's in love with him and he really wants to marry her and wants to do it right. And so he's like, think about it. I'm not saying, tell me you want to marry me right now. The troubadours seem to be getting along now. Yeah, he's letting him participate. Yeah, they whistle together. Lorelai takes one of the flowers and gives it to Luke. She says, I'm going to give one to everybody in the town. Yeah, while she's there, Luke, like, maybe accidentally poured something on Kirk, and he says, I'm damp. Yeah, that was funny. Kirk's pretty funny. Really funny. I like Kirk's character. Luke can tell that Lorelai seems happy, but she won't really say why. She's got to tell Rory before she tells anybody else. But he's all like, you'll tell me later, right? Uh, I'm emotionally fine. So her and Rory are outside. They lock eyes and, like, run to each other. Just so giddy. We don't hear them tell each other their news, but they're like holding each other and jumping up and down. Imagine the scene in Matrix Revolutions where Neo and Agent Smith like run at each other in the rain, except it's not raining and it's two women and they're like super giddy. It's just like the Matrix. They're both like, I want to tell you. No, you go first. No, you go first. And then they both start talking and then it's like credits. End of season. So Stacy, how do you feel about this episode? I thought it would be better. 
Uh, I knew this one was rated pretty high on like IMDb. And the Thousand Yellow Daisy scene like really stuck in my mind. And even though I knew it was coming, I still was like, oh my God, that's so nice. But having watched this whole season now as a full adult, it does seem insane that he proposed. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like hard to be as emotionally excited about Mm -hmm. it. It's also season one of a show. So I'm like, will they last? Yeah, I really feel like knowing that the show is seven seasons sort of ruins this episode a little bit. I mean, at the time, we didn't know it was seven seasons. Right. And they are a nice couple. Like, Mm. I feel like I want them to work. Mm. Sounds like they don't. But there's also like two other guys on the back burners. Kirk and Luke? Taylor Dosey. Oh, really? Oh, my God. Uh, And I also feel like Rory getting back with Dean feels a little, what changed? She just like realized she loved him? How? Her mom told her it was okay to love someone? That's like all that really happened. Yeah, and she went through her Dean stuff. And Dean hasn't like particularly been kind or I haven't felt bad for Dean or anything in the meantime. Like I didn't miss Dean. I didn't miss Dean, but I don't I don't know that Dean did anything bad either. Like Dean is still same Dean. It's not like he's gotten worse. It's not like she found a letter he wrote. Or a poem or something that really made her be like, oh, yeah, I love this guy. I mean, maybe she just like saw her mom and Max being happy and she wanted that. I don't know. It just felt kind of out of nowhere. But you said you want Dean out and someone else in. Yeah. Dean is boring. What would be interesting? Not Tristan. Mm, Okay. I said no. So many seasons. This ending just seemed too like perfect to me. You know, like everyone got together what they wanted. Obviously, Luke didn't. So there's that dangling thread, right? But just like them running at each other, like giggling credits, I don't, I didn't like that ending. I'm assuming they knew by this point that they had another season coming just because of the way they left things with Luke. Yeah. I, I think they would have resolved that a bit better. Mm-hmm. And also the Medina proposal is a, a cliffhanger. Yeah. So yeah, I bet they knew. Well, that ends season one of Gilmore Girls. And now for a special segment we like to call... Meanwhile, Uncharged. Charmed was another popular WB show airing around the same time that neither of us have seen. But we're going to discuss it anyway. Based only on its IMDb summaries. Brian, what happened on Charmed? Meanwhile, on Charmed, Season 1, Episode 21, Love Hurts. Leo returns to San Francisco to beg the sisters to protect a woman who is being stalked by a demonic stalker. Sort of redundant. Yeah, these are often badly written. Yeah, he's being stalked by a demon would be enough. Leo gets around. Very mobile for a dog. Yeah, he's like a dist- he's like a greyhound. You mean he's like a bus? Yeah, yeah, he's like a bus, even though he is a, is a dog. He's a dog, but he gets around like a bus. He must be from San Francisco? Wait, no, they are in San Francisco. Oh, see that? I didn't know. <laughs> we didn't know this takes place in San Francisco. That changes like everything. Wow, that must mean that we are wrong about so many things. I think for the next season, we're going to have to like change some of our expectations here about what's happening in the show. You might be right. Ugh. The ants from Sabrina live in Massachusetts, I think. Oh my God. This they traveled so, so much. far. Okay. Okay, so I don't even know if Leo's a dog anymore. No, Leo's a dog. Okay. That will never change. That will never change. So he goes back to San Francisco. He was probably in Massachusetts. He's met a new woman in his travels. And this this makes Piper like super upset. Yeah. You know, her and Leo were like so close. So close. Like too close for a woman and a dog. It turns out she probably hired this stalker to kill the woman. I think so. Well, it wasn't to kill her. At first, she was very clear to the stalker, like, all I want you to do is stalk, because I know you're a stalker. 
So if you could just stalk, that'd be great. But then the stalker's like, well, actually, maybe I'm a killer. So the sisters have to kill the stalker. The demonic stalker. Right, not just a regular stalker, obviously. It's a pretty quick episode. They kind of wrap stuff up right away, and it ends with Leo being like, hey, I know things didn't work out with us, but like now I'm with this other person. Also, like, do you really want to be with the dog? I know you got that cupboard boy. And I think she's like kind of convinced that she's ready to be done with him, but like, I bet he'll be back. Oh, yeah. And meanwhile, in the charmed season finale... Season 1, episode 22, Deja Vu All Over Again. A warlock repeatedly attempts to kill the Charmed Ones with a demon, Tempus, turning back time after each failure so that he can try again. Again, that's so wordy, right? Yeah. Right, so this warlock sucks. He's like the Mr. Magoo warlocks. I feel like he'd probably be a good match for Piper because they're really bad at magic. What is the demon Tempus? <laughs> well, I think his name is Tempus, and it's a play on the idea of time, right? Because he's turning back time. Okay, so the warlock enlisted the help of this Tempus so that he can keep trying, and Piper's like, wait, 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 wait. I know you're trying to kill me, but... Tempus is like, it's not you. It's just nothing personal. It's just, oh my God, your eyes. And then the warlock tries to kill them by running at them with a knife, and there's like a balcony, and he flies over the balcony and dies. And Tempus is like, I could turn back time, but... I'd rather just spend time with you. So they, it ends with them kissing, and Phoebe and Prue are just like, Piper, no! Piper! Cut to black. This is Ben. Meanwhile, Uncharmed. All right, so we made it to the season finale of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. We watched season one, episode 12, Prophecy Girl. An episode I remember very well. What happened, Stace? So this is about Buffy finding out about a prophecy that she is going to die when she faces the master. And she does. Dun, dun, dun. But not forever. Dun, 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 dun. Not for very long at all. And then everyone has a fun time at the dance. <laughs> the end. Okay. So there's a big dance coming up. Even though there was a big dance in the last episode. This one is the spring fling. That one was the May Ball. So apparently they have like two proms back to back weekends. There's a lot of death in this town. So they really try to do a lot of dances to keep the spirits up. Also, the dance is at the bronze? That's not how high school dances work. Is this like the max in Saved by the Bell where like the school kind of owns it? Yeah, that doesn't make sense. I'm guessing that the like the PTO was like, you know, a lot of people keep dying at school. Maybe we should go somewhere else for the dance. Xander wants to ask Buffy. He's practicing on Willow. Willow clearly wants to go with Xander and is like sad that he's not in love with her instead. But that seems like a D story in this episode. Buffy's meanwhile out slaying. She said she killed three vampires tonight. That seems like more than usual. She comes in to tell Giles. Does Giles live at the school? It, it seems like he definitely sleeps there at least once in this episode. Well, I think they make it clear that he read that Buffy was going to die and was like, I got to do as much research as possible. Buffy yeah. can't die. We hear him reading, the master shall rise and the slayer. <gasps> and he doesn't finish. There's an earthquake. And then the next day, Giles is shocked to see Buffy. Which leads me to believe that the end of that prophecy is that she will die. Xander gets the courage to ask Buffy to the dance and does not go well for Xander. Man, Xander comes across as like such an asshole for the first half of this episode. And they do uh, like uh, a little bit to justify he doesn't handle rejection well. But the way he's like, hey, Willow, can't you like go away? Don't you have something going on? Like Mm -hmm. leave? That's Mm -hmm. like so mean. And like she's your best friend. Yeah. And Buffy's like, we're just friends. And he's like, it's Angel, isn't it? You just want to be with Angel. And Buffy, to be fair, has not said shit about Angel since her and Angel decided not to be together. He showed up in that one episode, but they they barely interacted. I mean, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, theoretically, she could have talked about him, but, uh, you know, off screen. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. 
So Xander runs away. Now we get some of that weird Enya music where Buffy stares off into space, sadly, like in the unaired pilot. Yeah, they were like saving it. Like, this is so good. We got to save it for the season finale. (laughs) And then Miss Exposition, I mean, Miss Calendar is back. (laughs) She says some like techno-pagan babble stuff that she's been hearing about the apocalypse from all her friends in different countries. Bunch of people were born weird. Yes, cats had a snake, other things. Giles, I think, wants to confide in her because he has a huge crush on her, but he's not sure if she can trust her. And she says, I hope you cast that demon out of the internet. I think that merits some trust, which is a hilarious sentence. I've said that sentence myself a few times. Right before we make love. Every time. At some point in this section of the show, Willow says, you think that's my idea of hijinks? And I was like, you think that's how you say that word? (laughs) Yeah, that's when Xander, he's all upset that Buffy rejected him. And he's like, let's go together to the dance, Willow. And she like stands up for herself and is like, no, I'm not going to be your like second place. That was cool because I've often wondered that this whole season, like just that it must be super difficult for her to be around Xander when he's clearly into Buffy. And you can tell she was like emotionally upset just by the way she said hijinks. Yeah. Xander says, I'm going to go home and listen to music, country music, the music of pain. I remember as a kid distinctly thinking that was very funny. I didn't think it was funny as an adult. I agree. I didn't laugh. But I remember the first time I watched it being like, ha ha. So Angel shows up. He's hanging out with Giles. Buffy overhears them talking about the prophecy. Giles is like, it's very clear she's going to die. And then Buffy's like, I'm going to die? What? She handles this about as well as Xander handled her rejection. She handles this like Luke being asked any question about his emotions. Except she cries. I started to tear up. This is an emotional scene, guys. It was. She did a good job. You said she was good at emotional things, and I saw that here. Yeah, she was like, I don't want to die. I'm 16. I was like, yeah, oh my gosh. That's fair. Um, But she's like also pissed. She's like, I quit. I can't do this anymore. She yells at Giles for just, like, reading and not helping. Which I think is fair. She's 16. She's upset. She was just told you she's going to die for something she doesn't want to do. And Giles is like, maybe I do need to do more. Um, Is that your British accent? That was very good. Okay. It was better than yours when you were, like, a surfer dude during a British accent. Okay. Uh, I think my British accent is perfect. Do it now. All right. I'm Giles. That is... Welcome to my library. Okay. I was trying to do, like, posh. Right. (laughs) (laughs) You want some tea there, mate? Buffy's mom tries to cheer her up with a dress that they want us to believe is expensive. Buffy's mom bought her a dress and put it in her closet and just like assumed her daughter would not open the closet. I know. Buffy could have come home and put her jammies on from her closet, but she didn't. She came home and sat on her bed and kept her leather jacket on. Yeah, it was weird. And then Buffy's like, it's beautiful. And it does legitimately look good on Sarah Michelle Gellar. It had like sparkles around the middle and the bottom was kind of interesting, but it didn't look like a crazy expensive prom dress. But she wears it anyway, because why not? You're going to die. Look pretty while you die. Mm -hmm. So she goes out to face the world. Cordelia is like sort of becoming one of the gang in this episode. Like she's being really friendly with Willow. Like she needs something from Willow. But I feel like before, she wouldn't have even, like, given Willow the time of day. She still, like, insults Willow's outfit. Well, she she tries to compliment it at first. Yeah, but Willow's like, you don't actually like it. And she's like, no, I don't. No, I feel like Cordelia, though, like, she's still, like, superficial, but, like, she's trying a little bit. Yeah, yeah. They still have not explained to her what the situation is at all. She you think she'd be full of questions. I know. She just sort of helps them out and understands a lot of weird stuff is happening, but still asks no questions at all. She's going to the dance with a guy named Kevin. What happened to Mitch? The guy she went to last week's dance with. Remember, she was only taking Mitch out for a test drive. I think it's true. But it doesn't matter, because Kevin's dead now, as are a bunch of other boys. 
There's a bunch of guys from the school watching cartoons in a room, but they've all been vampired. I felt like the scene was great, actually. I feel like the cartoons and the blood was like a really good juxtaposition that legitimately was creepy. It was. I agree. And this event made the news. A more than normal amount of people have died at Sunnydale today. Willow is like shook. She knew those guys. And I'm like, Willow, you knew Jesse and you've never once brought that up. <laughs> yeah, you forgot about Jesse. Uh, but Buffy's at her house trying to comfort her and she's like, promise you won't go out tonight. And Willow's like, cool, cool. I like your dress. And then Buffy goes to the library because she's going to go fight the master. Miss Callender's at the library. She recaps a bit for us. Giles feels bad about being stuck in his book. So he decides he's going to face the master. But Buffy overhears this again. And she hears them say that the anointed one is actually a kid. And she knocks out Giles to stop him from going to take care of this himself. That was fun. Then we see Giles in the library. He's enlisted the help of Willow and Xander. Willow promised not to go out. So did Giles, like, call them and beg them to come? And Xander also wasn't answering his phone because Willow tried to call and he just hung up because he was listening to country music. How does it work with Giles calling them in the year 97? Like, they didn't have cell phones. So just, like, the school librarian has to call their house and be like, uh, is, is Willow there? Is this her friend? I'm old and, um, uh, uh, uh. I'm farting. <laughs> I'm guessing that Miss Calendar, like, cast a pagan computer spell, and that brought them. Oh, that could be. The anointed one shows up right outside of the school and just politely leads Buffy to the master, and his role is done this season. (laughs) (laughs) I did not need him at all. I'm sure he'll do more, because we didn't see him die, but it just felt unnecessary. I have no problem with the anointed one, like... It was just such a big setup with no payoff this season. I totally agree with you. I just, I can't say any more than what I've said. (laughs) That's fine. I could say that, like, even if he's just a regular vampire, it's just part of the prophecy. It doesn't mean he's... It could just be that he's not even special. It's just that's what the prophecy said, and they acted like he was special, but he was just a cog in the machine. Sure. Xander begrudgingly gets Angel to help him find Buffy. He's at the library. Giles is, like, coming to, and he's like, we'll never find her. And Xander's like, I think I'll find her. I know who will. And he goes to Angel. He uses a cross on him to get him to do what he wants. I feel like this part's trying to make us like like Xander again because he's like, I'm going to go out of my way to save Buffy even if it's risking my own life and working with a guy who I hate. Uh-huh. So like in a way, it sort of retroactively redeems him. This also feels very dick swingy, just like the Max and Luke scene where they're just like, I'm the better guy for Buffy. I agree. There's a funny scene though where they're both looking for her like underground and Xander <laughs> accuses Angel of looking at his neck. Yeah. <laughs> Stop looking at my neck. I told you to eat before we left. So Buffy slowly is going to go to the master. I don't know if the anointed one just takes Buffy on like a whistle stop tour of all of the underground, takes her on some scenic roads, but she gets to the master like three minutes before Angel and Xander do. It did seem like they were walking pretty slow. And maybe Angel lives next to the school. Yeah, I guess. It just seems like doesn't match up. So Buffy meets up with the master. He sort of hypnotizes her and then bites her and then throws her into some water. But we find out something pretty cool here. I I like this twist a lot. He says to her right before he kills her, if you hadn't come, I couldn't leave. Your blood is what sets me free. Was that in the prophecy? Well, the prophecy doesn't say everything. That's his point. Yeah. But he likes her dress. Yeah. And then he leaves her there to drown, I guess, to like think about... How she messed up. But Xander and Angel find her and decide to give her CPR and Xander has to do it because Angel doesn't have breath. That doesn't make any sense. I don't know how vampire science works. If Angel can talk, then he has breath. If you're a vampire and you're just sucking in air just to be able to speak, you're still sucking in and expelling the same air that humans are. In fact, the air you expel 
would have less carbon in it because you wouldn't be using any of the oxygen yourself. So actually, he would be better at giving CPR than Xander. Don't tell Xander that. <laughs> yeah, he needed it. Angel's like, dude, this kid needs this so bad. <laughs> I don't have breath. You do it. Or Angel just never learned CPR and he's super embarrassed. So now there's vampires everywhere. Cordelia drives up in her car because she can't go to the dance because her date's dead. She saves Willow and Miss Calendar from vampires and then she drives them to the library like driving through the school. That was fun. We have set up through the season a couple times that she's a bad driver so I like that. It paid yeah. off. Yeah. See what she did to Mitch when she test drove him? I said why didn't Cordelia go to the dance and Brian said like well her date is dead and then I said why did anyone go to the dance? <laughs> yeah I know. Like, there was a mass gruesome murder in the school. No one would be in the mood for the dance. But yes, it's becoming clear that the library is the hellmouth because there's a snake over in the corner. And when I say snake, there's so many quotation marks around it. It was so funny. Clearly, like, nylon stuffed with something that someone's got on, like, a stick moving it around. It was so funny because the vampires are, like, breaking in. And then we see the snake for a second and Stacey's just like... What is that? <laughs> so not scary or well done at all. I kind of disagree with you on that, but... The snake? Yeah. I thought it looked fine. In a minute, though, there's like huge demons that look so much more well done. I guess I, I disagree with you. It just didn't look like a snake. It looked like a puppet. I mean, it's tentacles. Mm, okay. I thought it was just like a snake. Because they mentioned like a cask having the snake. No, it was tentacles from the tentacle demon monster that was coming out of the hellmouth. Okay. Well, they try to keep the vampires out of the library. They put things in front of the door that won't help keep the door shut at all. No, everything has wheels on it. I'm like, no, this isn't going to hold this door. Back. <laughs> it was just like the lightest furniture they can find. <laughs> the actors were like, I don't want to have to lug something heavy. They should lock themselves in that cage that they got in this library for some reason. It's almost too bad that Cordelia didn't just like park them in. Or mm. Honestly, I don't know why they got out of the car at all. It's like, stay in that car. That's the safest place to be is in an armored thing that can move. Those doors to the library are soups flimsy. The Giles and the gang are fighting the demons. Demon comes out and it's like a legit demon. It's not like a dude in a rubber suit. Yeah, it's got like heads and tentacles and Giles going at it with an axe. The first time I saw this, I was like, that is cool as hell. That's like the kind of stuff that Buffy needs to fight, not dudes in rubber suits. I mean, this episode did feel like higher budget than most, I would say. Oh, yeah. Except for that snake. <laughs> Buffy's got like maybe a connection to the master now, and she sort of is like able to find him. He's on the roof of the school. We get to hear the intro music for the show. Oh, I liked that. Yeah, that was fun. She goes up there. He's all like, well, you were dead. She says she might be dead, but she's still pretty. And she like tells him he's got fruit punch mouth. Which I think is funny. I still think that's funny. I just like his response. What? <laughs> yeah, he wouldn't know. He wouldn't know what that is. And then she throws him through the glass roof. Onto a broken table below, which has become a spike, and he is impaled, and he blows up vampire style, but his bones remain. And this closes the hellmouth. I don't really understand how it closes the hellmouth, quite honestly. I don't really get how that's connected, because I feel like he just opened it when he left, but I guess he has to be alive for it to stay open. I don't get why his skeleton is still there, but hmm. it leads me to believe this isn't over. And in true Buffy fashion, everyone is immediately over this and decide they all got to go to the dance. <laughs> The end. Brian, was this a good episode of Buffy? Yeah, it was a good episode of Buffy. It was a great episode of Buffy. Like you said, all the budget was in this. They took a car inside. The demon looked really cool. I know you think the tentacles look cheesy, and the demon, obviously, they didn't couldn't have it in some shots, but I thought it looked cool. Mm -hmm. The master was cool. Buffy had some funny lines to the master. I suppose Willow didn't really do a ton. That's true. Which is a little sad, but I guess Xander got to shine. Willow did something on the computer? 
Willow will get her turn to shine. But I agree. She seems sort of like very background character in this episode. But I think this had it all. It had emotion. It had action. It was like, here's all the loose threads. Let's bring them together here at this last episode. Let's deal with everybody's secret crushes. Yeah, I liked it too. I think they, they really tied in a lot of things. All right, Stacey. So we've talked about both episodes, mm-hmm. both season finales. Mm-hmm. Which one's better? I think Buffy. Yeah, I think Buffy too. And I was totally open to Gilmore being girl. <laughs> Me too. I, I was totally. <laughs> I was really open to the Gilmore being girls. No, I was totally open to Gilmore girls being better because I really liked the show. And so I thought maybe it would be better. And I don't think it was bad, but I do think Buffy was like a really solid episode. Yeah. Just some of the behavior of the Gilmore girls was a little unbelievable again, which is I think what it comes down to. The, the behavior of the characters in this episode was very believable, and they tied everything up pretty well. This could be the end of the series. Mm-hmm. Every season of Buffy sort of could be the end of the show. There is some more about that that I don't really want to go into, but that's sort of the way Joss planned it. Does that mean he's a pessimist and the Paladinos were optimists? Maybe. Probably because he had the first Buffy movie made, and he was like, oh, that wasn't great. Yeah. We made it through a whole season. That was awesome. I like Gilmore Girls. I'm so glad we're doing this because it's a fun show. And I'm glad that you like Buffy now. Next week, we're going to be doing a bonus episode where we talk about season one of both shows as a whole. Our favorite episodes and moments, maybe even our least favorite. And we'll reveal which show we thought was better overall for season one. I think we know, but we'll let the numbers do the talking. We'll let the numbers do the talking? Well, I've been keeping track of which one we said was best. I bet some have more votes than others. I'm interested because I really don't know. Hmm. We'd love to hear your thoughts about either or both of these episodes. Which season finale did you think was better? How would you have killed the master? Whose dick swings the farthest? Would you be cool with a guy breaking into your house so that he could fix it? Would you have said yes if Max Benina had a horse? Is country music the music of pain? Let us know. You can reach out to us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or TikTok at Gilmore Slayer. Also follow us at Brian and Stacy. That's Brian with a Y and Stacy with an EY. Or send us an email at brianandstacyreviews at gmail.com. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel called Brian and Stacy, where we review things. If you like what you're hearing, leave us a five-star review on iTunes. If you do, we'll give you a shout out on our podcast. Well, Brian, what are we going to do with ourselves now? I'm just going to binge season two of both shows. No. We have to wait and do it together. I'm probably going to play Mansions of Madness. No, we have to do that together. What can I do by myself? Nothing. For in quarantine, everything is shared. Whatever happened to Snyder? Was he even in this episode? No. Weird. I mean, are you leading something? Is it significant he wasn't in this No, I'm just surprised he wasn't in it. He's such a cool dude. He is on another major show at this time. Yeah, and his film's really far away. I know. Space is, like, so out there. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.